and welcome back episode number 85 of the New York Pages podcast in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jacob Perkowitz, and I'm alongside the coach, Ben Luka. And what do you know, even with the little amount of money Drury had, uh, still pretty, pretty solid signings. We're going to break it all down. But first, just want to let you all know to go to InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN to subscribe to ESPN Plus to watch games some more. And yeah, let's get to it. And we are back. Guys, how's it going? It's going freaking great. And you know what? If you're one of those Ranger fans out there that wants to complain that Jury didn't get speed or he didn't get this or that, he signed Blake Wheeler, Benino, Gustafson, Quick, and a bunch of other people for under all, com- you know, no one got, you just said it, Berkey, no one got paid more than 825K uh, for the next year. But yeah, if but the you're complaining, team is 65 now. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. But you you get my point. Like, if you're going to complain about this, given the cap restraints that they had and the fact that after one day he signed all these players, filled out the roster pretty efficiently, and he still has 6.1, roughly 6.1 million to re-sign Miller and Loft. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, and if you want to say team speed, I get it. I get it. These players are old. But, Let's look at the teams that were in the finals this year, Florida and Vegas. Were those the fastest teams? No, they were pretty big and heavy teams. Like, I understand that speed is a huge X factor, but the Devils broke down pretty quickly this year. Granted, that was the first time in the playoffs. But, like, it's it's not just speed. And also, if you need speed, that's when Othman comes in. That's when Cooley comes in. That's when Berard comes in. The speed is going to be in the minors when you implement those players in. If one of the older players gets hurt, because let's face it, older players get fucking day by jury, all fucking on board. Let's fucking go. Are you in your coffee this morning, huh? This is my second one. Let's go. Wow. I I have yet to have my coffee yet, so I'm a little more muted on that. But yeah, that kind of the exact same thing. I mean, look, there are just malcontents that will just never, ever be happy no matter what is done. But like, it's honestly, it's blown me away what he was able to accomplish with so little. I don't think any of us were expecting to get really any names at all. And yeah, like Wheeler is, yeah, he's he's older. He's 36 now, I believe, right? But he's not like completely washed either, you know? Like he's still going to be able to provide some, you know, some middle six scoring for us. Um, and I and I can't believe, and, you, and even the, and even Gustafson too, like you look at his offensive stats, they're, they're, they're great. If you wanted a you know, a good puck movie defenseman to help chip in on that. Like you just got him, you know, like uh, uh, the the only decision that I think is slightly questionable. And I know exactly what Berkey's going to say to this. I'm going to throw it to him is, is like Jonathan quick is very underwhelming to me. Also, I'm, you know, as a Ranger fan, I've hated him for my entire existence as well. Uh, you know, but, but why is that not a problem Berkey? So first off with him being 35 years or older, you could give those type of players, performance bonuses and that could count towards next year's cap not this year's obviously you know his stats are not great I understand it though with you know their tight cap and you know a lot of his contract could count towards next year because of it It it's like it's against the natural order of things to see quick on a Rangers jersey Mm -hmm. I'm not not gonna lie but I mean I, I understand it because you know with the cap situation and Ben Waller, I mean, if no one could fix... There we fix, go. That's why that's if, if why. No one, that's... If no one could fix quick, you know. And it's, it's, you're not trying to... This is the thing. You're not trying to fix Jonathan Quick. Jonathan Quick, he's what, 37? 
Oh, I'm not asking for uh, yeah. quick years. You just, yeah, but this is the thing. Jonathan Quick plays phenomenal in Madison Square Garden. Like he's oh, had gosh, career. No, he's had career games there. The kid, he grew up in Connecticut, I believe, right? Yeah. He grew up a Ranger fan. Like he grew up a fucking Richter fan. He, he, I, I, I you got to believe he wanted to come home. Um, yeah. Which I, which I always love to see that, uh, you know, especially towards the end of a player's career, especially like a player like him who's like, I'm not going to be the starter, but I can pitch in. Um, I think that's going to help him. I think that's also going to help Igor. A uh, player who's now won three Stanley Cups, uh, yeah. at least one Conn Smythe. Um, so I think it's a great move. Um, and also, like, this is the thing. Uh, you know, in the in the sheet that Berkey sent us about, like, everything, and, like, underneath all of everything you said, concerns for each player, like this or that or whatever. I have zero concerns with any of these players because it's one-year deals under 900K. Like, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it because like, say if someone gets hurt early on or whatever happens, like it's, it's not like you sign them to a Patrick Nemeth type deal. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's when you're, when your back is up against the wall and you're restricted to do certain things, I, it, 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 I think it kind of helps. This is just in general in all aspects of life. Like, when you have to simplify things, you kind of tend to look at things with a uh, more clear scope sometimes. Um, and I think that helped a little bit with this because it's like, you know what? We can't go after player XYZ. Let's go after Blake Wheeler, you know, who just got bought out. So he's not going to necessarily look to be, you know, breaking bank. Um, the only thing that I would have liked to possibly see. Uh, now, Nick Benino, uh, Riley Nash, uh, and they're, it looks like they're going to be keeping uh, Barkley Goudreau uh, as of right now, which is fine with me, especially if you can re-sign Miller and Loft. Like, if you can sign Miller and Loft and just kind of roll with this team next year, that's going to be a formidable team. Um, I would have liked a really, really good, high percent face-off guy. Um, that's the only thing on the wish list. Now, now, Benino and Nash are respectable. They're around 50%. Last year, Nash was like 52%, but I don't know how many face-offs he really took. Uh, Benino, he's a career 49.9% face-off guy, so he's – guys, I'll give him 50%. Um you know, so I think that in the playoffs, it really does come down to stuff like that. Uh, you know, if you could have gotten, if you got Wheeler, Benino, Quick, and all these guys for under 900K, I don't know, maybe I would have liked Jonathan Taves for 900K or something like that. You know what I mean? I know I mentioned him before. Um, but other than that, I, I thought this was a, a great day for Jury. Um, and I really. Yeah, especially if you want to go go back to speed, I'll go back to the statement I made in the beginning. Othman and Cooley and Berard are there if you need speed, and those guys are going to take time. And this is this is the this is the perfect scenario. You don't need to rush these guys now. These guys can go to Hartford, play, 
the team was good in Hartford this year. They actually made the playoffs for the first time in I don't know how long. Um, so that is a good scenario for these kids. They're going to go there. Hopefully, Othman blows it fucking out of the water, and he forces them to kind of calm up middle of the season. Uh, same with Cooley. Cooley had a great year last year. He turned it on middle of the year. I remember hearing um, uh, Knobloch talk about him towards the middle of the year. He, he kind of figured some stuff out. Um, and I think Berard will do the same. I think Berard might take a little bit longer, but he's the Berard is kind of that like I think the the floor for Berard he he just reminds me of Ryan Callahan, um, just like one of those like shorter guys, but he's just a jitterbug out there, good skater. He's just going to be a pain in the ass to play against. Um, yeah, I, it's it, I thought it was yeah. If, if you want to go to speed, I think those are the guys you're going to go with, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it is a perfect scenario because now we have, you know, veterans that you can start the season off with. And and let's be honest, it is. I mean, I'm, I'm knock on wood here, but it is very unlikely that we're going to get away with as few of injuries as we had last year. Like in the last couple of years, we've been absolutely so missed by the injury bug. It's crazy. Uh, that's not likely to hold up. So if, if you're somebody that's like that really wants to see these kids, really wants to see Offman, really wants to see Cooley, you want to see him up there, I guarantee you're going to see him this year because they're going to have to because some of our guys are going to get hurt and they're going to have to get brought up. But this gives us a chance to start off the season with with you know the same basic core that we had that was a that was an easy shoe in playoff team last year, and I think it's going to be the same thing. And so it's like run it back. Hopefully the kids get better. We pick up some depth people. And with Igor, who knows what can actually happen? And I mean, that's that's the only that was the only plan for this year. There was no other option. So if you're upset right now, you're just like not living in reality where there's a salary cap. If there was no salary cap, then these would be disappointing moves that you're like, what is Truly doing? But that's not the reality we live in. So come back, touch grass, and realize that this is the this is better than what any of us would have hoped for. When, I, when we were talking about what, what we thought we might get. But I saw other people pull, pulling out players that that they thought they should target. Uh, they honestly weren't at this caliber. I mean, like Nick Menino may not be the most exciting person, but like you pull up his 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 card, like his defensive percentile ranking is like eighty seven percent. It's ridiculous. Like he is a great fourth line guy, um, and, and I I still think Wheeler is going to be. I think he's going to surprise some people and. Not everyone, when they're 36 years old, all of a sudden can't play anymore. I mean, look at Joe fucking Pavelski. You know, it's like these guys. Joe Pavelski is so fucking good still. He's so he's fucking so good. good. He's 900 years old, and he is still so good. By the way, he'll so be like, 37 when the season starts. Okay, yeah, 36 but, uh, Yeah. Okay. Oh, so then he's dead. Yeah, he's yeah, dead. Then, <laughs> then it's over. But, yeah, like if he gets hurt, it's like, okay, fine. Then we have some kids that we can fill in with and see what and see what they got to do. You know, like this is a this is a a great thing. And if you're disappointed, you really need to. Uh, you should have been get off the weed. Yeah, the, the only argument I have heard where I've understood is when people say they're not mad, but it's like Jury put himself in this situation, so I'm not gonna, you know. You know, tip my hat to him when he, you know, put no. himself there. Bullshit. That's he, I, come on, that, it's a no. fair argument. I'm not what, for okay, me. Hold on, hold on. What, what, what did he do to get him in this situation? He signed Fox. He signed Zabanjad. 
No, it's these, probably the Trocheck. Trocheck. I mean, that's the only it's thing. It's Trocheck. Okay. Mean, Again, I, I think these are incredible moves. Go. I'm not going to, you know. Yeah. The, look, the thing with Trocheck is that, A, he had a great season last year. Let's like, look, like we, we could talk about the contract all we want. Trocheck had a great year last year. Um, and I, the, the term is the thing that obviously, like, every, it's like the money is not an issue with Trocheck. Like, the money we got Trocheck for, I think, is a pretty fair deal for both sides. I don't think we really overpaid AAV wise. We overpaid in the years wise. So in the first few years, like that's really not an issue in my opinion. It's going to become an issue in the last three or four years of his deal. But by that point, the cap will have gone up. By that point, uh, Panarin's contract will be gone. Truba and Kreider could very well be gone at the same time um, or by that point, at least look, I, I, I get what people say, but like, it's not like he went out and signed like, no, uh, I, I get like it. Carl it, was, it was just that there was possibly a solution within your system. That's why maybe use that money, you know, somewhere else you needed to like, you could have signed a cheap third line center. Hell. And if it doesn't work, you trade for one of the trade deadline, you know, I understand it because of the position he's in, you know, he's got to have this team make the playoffs, compete, contend. So I understand it. And I'm not going to be one of the people to say, well, he put himself in this position. So, you know, not going to give credit here. I, but that's just the one argument where I understand everything else with being mad about it. I, it doesn't make sense. You know, it, it, it makes, I, it makes I, zero I, sense. Because believe, you're not getting any young, speedy players for 800K or 1 million. You still got to sign Lafreniere and Miller. You know, the only concern I have with Wheeler is, and I showed it on the list, is if they do the same mold where they choose the veteran over the young player, right? If, let's say, opening night, they have Wheeler on, in the top six and Lafreniere on the third line. That, you know, I get Laviolette said he's going to give the kids, you know, the opportunity, but it's easy to say that in mid-June rather than in, you know, December when they're on a losing streak, right? It, it's it's a bit different. But, you know, I, I, I do understand that, but also I feel like Lafreniere, and I haven't been like this, oh, the kids need to earn it, sort of, that's not really my mentality, but like at a certain point it kind of is too, like, the third line isn't like a ghost town on this team. It's not. Yeah, you're not in Siberia, not Siberia on the third line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it, it depends what the, obviously it depends on what the lines are, but I'm saying is that in the beginning, that's how it should be. If you want, if you want to say, okay, in a couple of months or in a few months, he, he's just not working out, or maybe, you know, I, I, I don't know how much we want to even put into that. Maybe there, he hasn't been working as hard in the offseason. Again, it may not, it may be just, you know, flat out wrong. Maybe that's, you know, something to take into account. But, I, I mean, think about it. This isn't just a one-year situation. I know a lot of people are saying, you know, we got to contend this year, this year. You're contending, and your contending window is only as big as, you know, what your young players are going to be. So why not give them as big of a rope as possible, you know? And if you want to say... Right. In a couple of months, listen, Lafreniere, he, he's not he's not cutting it. He hasn't even shown a little bit of growth. That's something else that, that I'm not saying 
go 82 games and if he shows nothing throughout keep on doing it no but we no, have seen time and time good. again that they pick the veterans over the young players and there are certain line combinations where actually you can put Lafreniere and Kako over Wheeler. Now, I don't think they'll pick um, pick Wheeler over Kapo Kako. That's not no, my concern. No, no. They, they, no. They, they won't do that. But with Lafreniere, and, and I get I, I get what when people are frustrated and, you know, not I don't get it, but like when people say, you know, oh, he's a bus or oh, he'll never amount to anything. I get the frustration because it's just, We've never had that young, elite, homegrown talent. But, I mean, you look at the years he's been here, and the development has just, I mean, look at anyone's development. It, it's not, we haven't had results since when, Kreider? I mean, that's it in the first round? So, I mean, you got to maybe. JT Miller? Well, I'm saying with us. I mean, JT Miller. Oh, I mean, okay, fine, he, fair, fair, fair. I'm just saying he played with us for like four years, five years almost. It feels like no, that that's fair, that's fair. Um, but I'm saying like yeah, it's still, you got to take that into it, account. Yeah, it, it definitely. Can not I like, can I bring up another issue? Sure. sure. Why the fuck don't we draft a center in the first round? Like I understand that everyone's <laughs> thrilled with this 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 winger that they got. Okay, and I didn't want to step on uh, Josh's toes when he was like just raving about him, and I was kind of blown away with how happy he was. With if I recall, because there's no one in that specific. You know how he was saying like there were tears. I don't no, think there was I, anyone. I, I get it, but I do believe there was players there. Like I, uh, is it is it height? Uh, oh, height. Actually, he wanted him. No, and, and so so me and my brother we were, we were watching, and like I really fucking like that guy. I thought he was a really good skater. I think his name is Riley Height. Um, he didn't go until the, the last pick of the second round. He was projected no, to go. And jo the Josh said, I was uh, yeah. messaging Josh the morning before in the uh, before the draft, and he was like, this is the center I want in the first round. Um, I didn't know that. I, so me, me and my brother targeted him too. Like he, One, he's really good at face-offs. He's a great skater, um, and he's just a really all-around good player. And like I understand that – like. What's his name? Uh, Perot. Ha he's he's a really intelligent player. Obviously, he has a bloodline with his father playing, um, and he set the record or broke Jack Hughes's record. And I, I understand all of that, but like, how many times are we going to draft a player that's not that great of a skater, and we have to develop him, and he's not even a center? Like, because center you couldn't, has been you couldn't... a team. Center has been a team need since fucking Messier and Gretzky were seventy five years old playing for the Rangers. Like. We like at a certain because Perot wasn't to, someone you could you could let go. He dropped and he just you could not let a player like that go. Okay, well then you know. But my point is, is that yeah, like I think they should have, by the way, traded back in the second round. I I know they yeah, don't have a lot of assets, I, I agree. but yeah. I I was I was screaming like trade back in the second round. There were so many people who fell, and you could snag one of these players up, and you know it didn't. My happen. my my point is, is that if. If this kid is a top six winger, and if Riley Height is a top six center, who's more valuable? The top six center is more valuable. Generally, I, I think it's a bit more generally detailed general. than that. Second line center is kind of a bit too general, or second line is a bit too general because, like you know, the impact they can make. Like, sure, there's a second line center that's you know twenty goals and thirty assists, and then there's a second line center that's. Uh, our second line right wing that's scoring like you know 30 goals 30 assists 
and you know it's great defensively you know it, it there's a lot of more aspects to it than just being on that you know second line but i i get what you're saying that is a position of need if he wasn't there i'd be in total agreement with you but it's just you know you couldn't let a guy like that slide um i, I look and this is the thing with jury I, I, I get people. what you're saying no, I yeah, and uh, look, I understand too, like the idea of like best available player because that is, especially in a in a in a system where the players that you draft aren't going to make immediate impacts. Like it's not like the NFL, and even in the NFL, like you do kind of tend to draft the best available player, or at least good teams do. Um, but like in the NHL, it's like you're not drafting players that are going to pop onto your roster immediately, especially after like say like pick seven. You know what I mean? Um, these kids are 18. They're going to need years to develop for some of them. So I understand like in say two or three years, right wing might be a position of need. Um, you know what I mean? It's it's a position of need still right now. It kind of is. Yeah, it is a position of need right now, but like, you know, it, it might even be more of a position of need if, uh, if we consider like lot, you know, Aaron's in the last year of his contract and Kreider is traded at some point. Like, wing can be a very big issue uh, going forward. So I get it, but um, I don't know. I just, I saw a center there that was really good. I liked him a lot. Uh, great skater. And I thought that he trans, he could transition well to an NHL system. Um, and then it pissed me off even more that he dropped to like pick 60. And it's like at that point, straight up into the sec- late second round and get him. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. It can't cost too much to like trade next year's second round pick. We still have that. Throw that and fucking I don't know like a, a rice peel off into it. I don't care. Like you know what I mean. Like trade up. Yeah. No. I I hear you. I was definitely. Um, I mean, that day I was busy, but you know, I kept on looking, and I'm like, why aren't they trading up? I I, I get they don't have a lot of assets, but they're, you gotta have been able to you know get some back uh, package to get back in there. But um, apparently, apparently not. And uh, I guess now, I mean, just to mention, Goodrow is can no longer be bought out. Uh, that's it. Even if they get a second window, can't be bought out because that second window is for four million plus. Uh, so yeah, if he's being moved, it's trade. And honestly, at this point, you would have done it before UFA. You know, to have that money to sign free agents. So it's hard to imagine a world where he's now traded, but who knows? And also the thing with Goudreau and buyout wise, uh, like it's always, in my opinion, it's it's always best to kick the buyout a year down the road because like he's still got what, five years left or is it four? Four. Okay. So he's got four years left coming into the season. You check off another year of that and there's six years or there's three years left. So the buyout would, you know, would only if we did it this year, it'd be like eight years. I feel like, right? Because I'd say they'd have no problem trading him. I mean, you see um, trades this year that where they have, you know, a a considerable cap hit, and teams have no problem with it. The difference is, is none of those were four years. Goodrow would be three years. I, I, I don't think they'd have a problem trading him next year. Exactly. And Um, even if you did have a problem trading him, buying him out, like it's. For me, it's really hard to swallow a eight-year cap hit when, like, a player is still serviceable and good. Like to me, that that that's hard to swallow. Like the eight-year prolonged buyout window, but like 
if, if it's six years, that's, that's more palatable, you know? But it, it's like, um, also, but, it's, it's not a knock on him. Like, I'm not trying to knock no. Goodrow. I, I, even when he's on the second line, you know, like, he's not supposed to beat him. He's good at what he's meant to do, not what, you know, they tried to make him do on the second line. You know, as a depth player, he's good, but it's just for $3.6 million and your team has cap problems, it's a luxury you cannot afford. Clearly, Jury did some magic this year. Um, yeah, that that's... Well, it brings up an interesting question too, because like, so what are we at now? Left for capital app and uh, and Miller six point one. Yeah, uh, roughly yes, yeah. Okay, so that really gives us a pretty damn good idea that like Miller can't be getting much more than four million then, right? Well, yeah. So Byram got three point eight five. He's probably your comparable. But I feel I feel like Miller's been more productive. Well, so that's what I, I'd say. He's been well. He had 24 points in, but in 42 games played, right? Technically, yeah, it's I on mean, pace, he, but he's also he's he's just never been healthy, Byron. Right. Though I'd I'd say then I wouldn't say Miller would get that. I'd say Miller would probably. I'd want to say four million. He's not getting lower than three point eight five now. No, no, he's, he's not getting lower. In than my that. opinion, he's at least he's the same oh. value as Byron, if not more valuable. Yeah, so he's so so what he's getting four and laps getting two point one unless they find a couple hundred grand somewhere else. I mean, like it, it really. I'm almost like Drury, you want to have a million left over to accumulate for the trade deadline. Well, right, but that's how are you, how is that going to happen? Oh, the only way that happens is is if they do find a trade partner for Goodrow. Then that's that's it. Which, well, this is also assuming that none of their UFAs they just you know signed. Are going to be on waivers, right? They didn't just sign the ones we mentioned. Um, That's what I'm asking. I'm like, where, where else, where else is there a cap? Right. I, I was messing with it last night uh, to prepare for this. Clearly, not enough. While you're I doing think... this, while you're doing this, I'm just going to say, how funny is it that the Penguins sign? Tristan Jari to a five-year, $5.3 million contract. Oh, how bad? Like, what the hell is Kyle Dubas doing? Because he, he doesn't have a choice. You still have Crosby. He's no, you have Malkin. a choice. You have a choice. You could go out and trade for Connor Hellebuck. You could, you know what I mean? Like, like there's options I don't even out think there. They have one Tristan Jari for, for five, times 5.3 is ridiculous. Oh, no, it's insane. Also, also, I did want to mention something, by the way, throughout this whole time with the Yeiserman plan, you know, with Detroit, no one's ever doubted him because, you know, it's him and, you know, his reputation in Tampa. But what the hell is this? You know, there's a few contracts now, like cop last year, I was questioning and I'm like, I, I don't see how that makes sense. But, you know, benefit of that with him. Now it's like, I, I, what, where's the plan here? You well, got yeah, a group full of averages. When they asked him, like, so where do you feel like your team is? And he's like, you know, still rebuilding, still trying to gather assets and whatnot. I'm like, you've been doing that for forever now. Like, this is like the longest rebuild in like modern hockey. Like, what is it? Well, you you also got to remember, he wasn't there for the beginning of it. How long has he been there now? He he left Tampa the the middle of the season when they won their first cup with this iteration of Tampa. He was after the. Rasmussen draft, right? Where Detroit drafted Rasmussen. That was like the the next year. Then he came in. 
I he so he so Tampa won their first cup during the uh the COVID year, right? Yeah. So that was 2020. He left in like December or November of like 2019, I believe, in Tampa. So he he officially took over in 2020. So it was Lafreniere's year. Okay. So like in theory, he hasn't been there that long for a draft capital to kind of pay dividends yet. Um, but they've been rebuilding for a while. So, yeah, you're right in that sense. But, like, they, no, I feel like, like they was, haven't. Let's see. There was two signings where I'm like, I, I did not understand the thought process here. JT uh, Comfer? I, I believe that was one of them. Yeah. yeah. What are you giving a person like that $5 million for for five years? You're, you're, you're talking. I know exactly what you're going to be talking about. You're talking about JT Comfort and Shane Gossespair. Yeah, goes to, yeah, but but Spare for like a one year deal for four million is not bad for someone like that's on a team that's not like you know not the greatest, not terrible. Like that's not a bad deal. Comfort was the was the real. You're literally looking one. at the that's lineup, a, and it's just a bunch of yeah. No, I I, I don't. And then Andrew Cop, I I never get that. I never got that signing, but. At that point, I was like, sure, whatever. Shane Gossespierre, I don't care because it was a one-year deal. Um, Hall, oh, Hall, Hall was the other one. What the hell are you doing there? I honestly don't get it. I, I don't get it. But anyway, this is not a Detroit podcast. It's a Rangers podcast. Um, do you think Gustafson is a lock? Or do you think this is going to be like Vince mentioned that, you know, it sounds like Gustafson and Jones are going to compete for that sixth spot. Uh, and, you know, Gustafson played with Laviolette last year, and that's where, you know, he played great. I don't think it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be a competition. No, I, I, I don't think I think it. I think Jones is gone. I don't think he's gone. I think he'll be the seventh defenseman until either the player says, hey, you know, like, move me or – which which brings up why then then we should have used them to trade up then because like, I there's the, no way you could have see this is the thing that I could understand there is no way you could have known that Gustafson would be this cheap there there's no way this is this is this is a thing I don't I don't care I don't care about you that you should have traded him uh, I agree with you that it's tough to see what you're going to get in free agency you never know exactly how things are going to pan out. Um, but the thing that's really tough is that if you, it's not going to be a competition because Gustafson is a solid defenseman. Like he, he's, he's, he's pretty solid. Competition. No chance. I don't, it's, it's not going to be a competition. So it's stupid to make him the seventh defenseman because you're not, he's not going to grow. There's no value in that. His trade value is going to go down. So I would honestly see that. That's why I'm saying, like, I think he's gone. I think they're going to probably try and trade him. Uh, expect is a very similar, not return that we got for Niels Lundqvist, but it, uh, expect a very similar, like, training camp trade, basically, uh, in my opinion. Or I mean, before I, that. I think he's going to get, like, I, I don't even know what you could get for him. But, I, again, like, I, I understand, like, everyone's asking, well, why did you sign, re-sign Zach Jones when you're getting Guffs? And there's no way – they're not letting him you, go. There's there's no way that you could have known a player like Gustafson that had 38 points last year with Washington in, in 61 games to cost 825K. That's ridiculous. 
Well, no one right. could have saw but, that coming. But no, no, you may not be able to see that you're getting that player, but obviously they were looking for a sixth defenseman. So obviously they already kind of knew, and it but seems were like they? in general, I, I, it seems that way to me. It seems like I, I like that. That is kind of what I'm reading in the tea leaves. There was that like they do not have confidence that Zach Jones is going to be a sixth defenseman for this team, and that's why they went out and they got Gustafson. Now you may not know that you're going to going to be able to get him, but I think they were definitely looking in that market, and that's why I'm like, if you're not going to try to give Zach Jones a shot. If you're not going to do that, then you're right. It, he doesn't make sense as a, a seven defenseman. Um, he's not going to be gaining any experience. So what is he back in? He's back in AHL then, you know, for another year. Well, no, like, he's not that? waiver exempt anymore. Oh my God. Yeah. But, right. but no, but he could, no, but he could start in the AHL, I believe. Correct. If he's not waiver. No, I think exempt. you have to pass waivers. No, but if you start in the AHL during that season, you, you're not going through waivers. But he's not going to. He's going to be there in the preseason. But yeah, I, now I could be wrong with this, but like before the season starts, like no, no, that's why. That's why. Remember, there's those days where GMs try to you know sneak those players past the waiver wire because there's so many players going through. Remember that? No, I, I, I don't know. My, my, my question is, is that like. If you start in the AHL, like obviously like, he's gonna have like a training camp invite, like uh, he's gonna compete. Like, no, um, he'd have to go through waivers. He has to go through waivers even before the season starts. You know what? I'm not. I'm not gonna say. I'm not, I'm not gonna say, but I believe. I, I don't. I, well, either way, on that too. The, to the me, point is, the point is, he can't stay another year in the AHL. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, no, and he just can't go up and down. That's what he can't. He can't do. go up and down. Right. Right. So, right. But I'm saying is he's not going to be willing to be in the AHL again. Then, then, then there's right. going to so be. If you weren't going to, so if you, if you weren't really, if you, you weren't going to trust him and give him a shot, and if you're out there and you're looking for another sixth defenseman, um, why then wasn't he used as an asset to try and trade up, especially into that second round where there was a ton of people that we really wanted and could have got? It well, doesn't make sense. That, that was before Gustafson. But but it, but it doesn't matter about the specific player. You already knew that that was a need. You already knew that was something you wanted to do. Well, not not necessarily, you... not necessarily. It could have been that you know they were going to say, okay, we're going in with Jones, and that's it. You and then they. So you don't think if Gustin would have would have would have arrived that they wouldn't have they wouldn't have got another sixth defenseman? Because I think they would have absolutely. I think they would have. I'm saying there may have been a guy they would have signed to compete with Jones. But I don't think it would have been a landslide like this, where we all are in, are in agreement that Jones is not, you know, playing as the sixth defenseman. I just yeah. think that it was just no one could have seen a player like this costing this little amount. It's a possibility. Um, I ask a question about Gustafson. Why, why can't he finish his season with the team? <laughs> like you look at his, you look at like his last like six years, that it's like two teams for each one. It was like Calgary. Like you got you got uh, Calgary and Philly, Montreal, Chicago, Washington, Toronto. I'm like, why why doesn't he finish a season ever? He just that attractive trade piece every single year. Is that why? I think he's that always that trade deadline piece every single year. Yeah, it's just funny when you look at it, you're like, geez. Yeah, yeah, Chicago, Calgary. Yeah. Um, what's it called? I mean, honestly, look, this isn't a Lafreniere scenario where when Gustafson takes his spot, this isn't that because Lafreniere is actually a big integral piece, right, of this future. Jones, I I don't like it because it's just not good asset management and stuff. 
but it's just I get it when you have a player like Gustafson uh, who has done well under the coach and we're in sore need of those puck moving defensemen while Jones is that I understand it more uh, but this isn't, you know, a Lafreniere, Kako, or, you know, veterans taking over the young player spot type thing. Because th- th- this I get. Um, obviously, you'd have to think now he plays uh, the second power play unit, right? There's there's no way they could pick Truba, right? I mean, please God, no. Oh, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how you I could I would pick... think you would hope that. Right, right, right. You would, you would think that, honestly, though, I, I like it. And I I don't know what you listen. I would try personally a Miller Fox Lindgren Truba, and then you had that puck moving defenseman Gustafson with Schneider. I really really like the Gustafson move. Um, it gives you that puck moving defenseman which I've been hammering out that they really really need. Um, and it was a question of was Jones going to be able to take the next step? But I I mean no, it's it's a great move. It's for one year. And that's the thing about all these, you know, contracts. You could just bury them if they don't work. There's no problem with it. The only ones that have Wheeler has a no trade clause. I mean, it's funny because they always give out these no trade clauses with him. You, you know, that's probably what got this deal done, right? You're 37 years old. You just got bought out, right? So you're you're already making money. And if you're going to have an 800K, you're going to want to decide if it doesn't work out where you're going to be traded. So it, it makes sense there. And then the other one was Jonathan quick, which is a modified no trade clause, which is 10 team, no trade list. Um, and again, uh, a lot of these players, since they're above, uh, since they're 35 or above, they have performance bonuses and that could count towards next year's cap. Uh, quick has it. Uh, Wheeler has it. And that is actually it. I thought there was more. But, well, if, if yeah. you look at like, hopefully, I mean, look, look, you hope that those guys all have great years. Um, but what happened with Boston this year, Boston's got a $4 million cap hit coming this year because of all the bonuses that they hit last year. So it's um, different next year because the next year is the cap supposed to go up. True. But my, my, my point is that like 4 million in any given year is a lot to just tack on for shit that you did last year. Um, so obviously like, that's great that, you know, uh, they were able to hit their bonuses and shit, but like, that's, that's a tough cap hit to, to kind of swallow. Uh, well, it only counts the- towards next year. If they go above, like, let's say the cap. Um, no, I, I understand. Yeah. Like they're up against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at how many perform uh, plays with performance bonuses they have. I mean, Wheeler's, what was it? Wheeler's was 300 K in performance bonuses. Yeah. That, that's not really anything quick five fifty Ks of signing bonus, but that actually counts towards the cap. That's not, it's only performance bonuses is a hundred K. So that's like 400 K in, in performance bonuses with them. Uh, for sure. The young players, have it if I'm not mistaken. Oh well, actually they are resigning, so yeah, not necessarily. Um, the other thing I did want to ask you guys is that obviously, Luca, you mentioned that young players, Offman, all those players are going to be now be able to cook in Hartford, right? You don't have to worry about that. I think though Cooley actually does legitimately have a chance because he's like projected to be a fourth third line player, 
So he's a guy you can put there. Well, with Othman, you know, you can't put on the fourth line. This is what's going to happen with Cooley. Uh, someone in the top nine is going to get nicked up. Goudreau is going to go into their spot in the top nine. Cooley's going to go into the bottom spot in the fourth line. That's probably the way he breaks into the lineup this year. And, you know, I think he did it last year for, like, a game. And, like, I don't really remember much of the game. I remember him kind of getting some jam into it a little bit. Like, he, he, he was throwing the body around a little bit. But I feel like this year he's going to have a much more – when he does get his chance, I do feel like Cooley has a chance to really stick. Um, if not stick, but a uh, make a make more of a mark uh, this year. So I, I do believe that you're right. Like that, that's more of a way for him to get there. Because obviously, like if if someone gets hurt in the top nine uh, for any stretch of time, Goudreau can fill center or wing, uh, and then that'll you know he'll just kind of fill in for them. Um, but that there, there's a lot of different scenarios, obviously different variables that, that could kind of happen, but I agree. Cooley would probably be the first one up also cause he's the oldest. Um, and he's already had a full year in Hartford. So he, he, he's had the seasoning. He's kind of ready to go. Uh, but yeah. I mean, yeah, it'd be him and Pitlick, I think competing for that last spot, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, it also kind of probably. I mean, it depends on how their their season. I mean, that does make the most sense that that Cooley is the easiest to plug in and play right away. Um, I also just feel like it really depends on like if this is an injury thing. It's like how many injuries and who's also going. Just like and how long? How long to? <clears throat> you know, I, I just I would not be shocked to see Ackman up at some point this year because I I just and again, Ackman would, but I just do not think that we're going to have the injury luck that we've had. It just it's like the the wheel's going to spin and it's going to land on us a little bit. We've also had injury luck because we've had a very young team. Like young players yeah. tend to like their bodies are more pliable. That's just fucking yeah. science. You know what I mean? Sure. Like so, like my guess is probably some of the older guys are going to get you know nicked up from time to time and shit like that. So that's just that's just the way shit goes. You know what I mean? Isn't Kreider due to break an ankle and be out for ten days? Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Hayek did not get qualified. Yeah. yeah. Hayek, in fact, he's, it's finally gone. That's that's an end of an era. End of an era, for sure. Yeah, let's just take a moment. Hendrickson's the last piece of the McDonough-Miller deal, by the way, that we have. Who? Like we, essentially, the McDonough-Miller deal. Uh, Hendrickson yeah, is, the, is the last one left. Is it yeah. really? I thought the full trade tree still had somebody out there. Didn't we get a no? Because there wasn't our draft pick that we got from that that we traded. Didn't how did John? I feel like there was one more, like somebody that we picked up and then traded a draft pick for is still somebody. Mesnikov. No, not Mesnikov. No, not a player. Like the player we drafted from a player that we got from that. That wasn't he wasn't part of the uh the Niels Lundquist draft pick. No, because we traded that draft pick to Dallas for I'm not I'm sorry. Yeah, no, we traded him for the first round pick from Dallas and then used that for Tarasenko. No, I'm uh, I'm saying I, I the, the he was Niels Lundquist was part of the Tampa direct trade, right? Originally. Yeah, he was the first round okay, pick. Okay, that's what that, that I'm saying, that's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, so yeah, Henderson, yeah. 
that's pour uh, some pour some beer out for your dead homies. We're, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Hey, prop, props for lasting that long. I mean, I know, like personally for me, I complained about him a lot, but uh, props for you know lasting as the seventh defenseman for what four years. Yeah, what was what was he doing? I mean, he must have just been the the sweetest boy that everyone in the organization ever met. And it's like we well, just got to give this kid another shot. Yeah, you know, who do you think should take the role as the second line center, Heedle or Trocheck? Heedle. I think I think Heedle mainly because I feel like Trocheck. I, I I've seen a lot of things. I, I really like the idea of Trocheck as a third line center with Kreider and plug in whoever you want, VC, whoever, Cooley, Goudreau, whatever it is. I really like the idea of Kreider and Trocek together on the third line. Um, That's a stable third line. It's a good defensive third line. Um, It's a third line that could also generate offense. Um, I like that. And mainly I do like the idea of getting Heedle going with Panarin um, and whoever that right winger would be. Uh, I like the idea of more speed with Panarin. Um, yeah. And he's uh, also one of the few people that carries the puck into the zone as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I've been on a Heedle for 2C campaign for a while now. Um, and it's, it's, it's time to find out what you really have in him and give him every last opportunity, uh, to, to hit his next, hit his next level. Um, and it looks like, you know, even though he like had a cold streak at the end of the year last year, it looks like he is ready to to start burying the puck a lot more. And so, yeah, I, you know, throw him in with Panarin and see what happens. I mean, it, it, let that ride for a little bit. And, and I, I, I hope and I trust that Lobby Lett will be better than, um, Ben Gallant was. Uh, I mean, I mean look at look at the young the young look at the young forwards that really excelled with Nashville. Okay, uh, I, I think you could easily see that happening with with Udall. Um But yeah, uh, do we have some uh, Q and A's, Berkey? Yeah, no, no I'm sorry, I delayed it this just one. Rattle, I totally, rattle them off quickly. I just totally got it. We're gonna speed run this. We're going to speed on this. Um, but, yeah, no, I I, I agree with uh, Trochek third line. I think he fits that role uh, much better. All right. Now, yep. obviously, my phone's got to glitch out here. All right. Um, all right. Apologies if I mispronounce your names here. Uh, this from Twitter. This um, Realistically speaking, how many games do you think Hito gets – on Panarin's line, and how much do you think? Uh, how much would you give uh, Hedl a look at second line center? We just did that. Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice, nice segue. I would say if we're gonna put it out of games, I'm probably gonna say, like, I'll say forty to fifty, because uh, I do believe that's what they'll go with. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that too. Who on the roster? I'm sorry, this is for Igor Chesterkin. Who on the roster that's a left wing can most naturally succeed as a right wing? I'd say Lafreniere by default because there's no one else. I, I, I'd say Kreider. Yeah, I, I don't see any reason why Kreider's game. It, it shouldn't. He, it, it, he should absolutely be able to be a right winger yet. The thing that pisses me off about, about Kreider not moving to the right is that it's for the better of the team. And if you're going to sit there and tell me that 
A, you have a 28-year-old, 29-year-old veteran who's played since he was like 20 years old in the NHL, uh, who he scores from all over the ice. That's the, It's like he's not a Ovechkin or a Patrick Kane type player where like their game is predicated off the wing that they play on. Like yeah. the majority of his goals are power play goals where he's in front of the net just causing havoc, okay? So him That's playing right wing to me – is an easier transition than a 18, 19, 20-year-old who uh, may or may not have a lot of confidence and is still trying to make his mark in the NHL. To me, that's what a leader does. A leader takes that bullet and says, you know what? Also, with Lafreniere, he relies more on the angles and stuff. Yeah. The the point is, it's for the better of the team. Like, get him going. If you get him going, fucking sky's the limit. Yeah. Yeah, but if he becomes a right ring ringer, excuse me. I mean, you could have you could have everyone in the top six, and everyone's happy, right? It's yeah. just, yep. All right. Anyway, uh, good monitor haver says, asks, uh, what stops NYR for attaching a third to trade Goodrow than using the money on Tarasenko? Lots of people saying to give him anywhere between three and four million, uh, because we have no money. Look, if, if you trade if you trade Goudreau, you're you're freeing up three point six, right? Um, I don't see Tarasenko signing for that low. Yeah. The only reason, no, not not that low. But you look at Bertuzzi, right? You know, what did he get? He got five point five, I believe. Yeah. For one uh, year. What the hell is Toronto right? doing, by the way? Do do they know the salary cap exists? I I mean it's it's. They're probably going to trade. They're they're going to have to trade Nylander. You're going to trade the one player that was actually productive in the playoffs. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Maybe. Great, I'm just saying that's, that that's what it probably looks. No, like. No, no, no. You're right. I'm just saying how that like I. You're absolutely right. It's just it does not. The one player that actually produces. Let's see what what is Bertuzzi making? Um, come on, come on. I don't think maybe he has an official. Oh, there he is. Uh, yeah, five point five million. So yeah, I, I, that's Tarasenko. I think was when we were talking with Ottawa and stuff. But basically, it, it wouldn't work uh, unless he took a discount for one year, and I don't see it happening at all. Um, yeah, no, it, it it wouldn't happen. Vince has mentioned multiple times. He even mentioned on the podcast here that the Rangers were looking to trade Goodrow to get an as- asset, not for. Um, I don't know how that's realistic of the rangers but it could just be juries like okay you know there are a few stupid gms in the league let's see who bites you know it could it could be as simple as that all right where you got he's, he's in a position of power now he doesn't have to trade him so right. if someone comes to him he can you know what i mean so now he's not in a position of desperation so that that bodes well <laughs> for him but yeah right and and i i get the concept of like you know we've seen stupid trades before right and you know if you go to one of those old man philosophy GMs and say, hey, he's one, he's a veteran, he's got that grit, you know, those GMs will be drawn. So anyway, uh, Amber asks, of all the free agent signings so far, which one has the most potential this upcoming season? Um, I, I'd say it's Wheeler. It's not even close. I'd say Wheeler has Oh, actually, Gustafson? No, I think Gustafson, yeah. Well, I'd say if you're looking from point production, Wheeler, uh, obviously like six defensemen, he's, he's going to play a lot. Um, I think Wheeler projects to be in the top six, though. That's why I would say Wheeler. 
And he's yeah. going to be playing with some really good fucking players, Wheeler. You know what I, I mean? mean? I guess it depends on how you define production. And if you're, yeah. if you're, if you're quantifying, if you're like translating that from a defenseman. I think they're, I love both the moves though. So I'm not really, you know. No, no. Yeah, it, especially for the cap. I mean, you're talking about pure points, then yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be Wheeler. But if you're talking about like relative to their position or whatever, then I think it's got this in by. Um, uh, I think then it depends on how well Lafreniere does. And that depends on if Wheeler would have that, you know, opportunity to get those points with a player like Panarin. Like, there's, like, a situation where you could have everything you want in the top six. You could have Lafreniere, um, Zibanejad, Kako, and then Panarin, Kito, Wheeler, right? Obviously, I don't. I think they should do that. I'm probably not going to do that. Um, and then you have the third line as credit, Church of Peace. So, I mean, you, you look at these lines. It's incredible compared to the beginning of last year. But anyway, um, I had another question of, which draft pick has the most potential to make the roster in two to three years? Um, I'm assuming that first to this year, or just in general. I would, I would, I would assume so, and it's just so easy to go with the number one, the first overall pick that we right. had. Yeah, bro. Yeah. And if it's in general, it's Cooley, as we've said. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and I would say Cooley, Ackman, Berard. If we're just ranking, yeah, that's the one, that's the one, two, three. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. I'm just making sure we don't got any others. Um, what gets done? Oh, so Kaka was elite. What gets done with the second right wing spot? Who gets it? Did they try to put Lafreniere, Kreider, Panarin on the off wing? Yep. We kind of, we just answered, you know. Um, yeah. It all depends on what they want from Lafreniere. Do they want him on his left side? Would they, they project him as a right winger and want to move him offhand. I, I wouldn't think that's a sign. It's, it's, there's so many questions about Lafreniere we can't even really answer because right. it's so hard. A, what he's going to do in the offseason to better his game, and B, how Laviolette's going to use him. It's really impossible to gauge. It's fun to speculate, but it's really yeah, hard there, There's to gauge so many things. with There's so many variables, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, and that is – yeah. Thanks to our listeners here. Uh, obviously, different schedule than usual, but we'll be back uh, next Monday. Happy Canada Day. Happy Fourth of July. Thanks, Thanks for Chris Drury. Thank you, you beautiful bastard.